The best investment I have ever made for myself was therapy. Ever. And it has completely transformed who I am as a person in my personal life and in my professional life. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Calling all women who love their ride. I would like to introduce you to a one-of-a-kind women's motor fest. You will not want to miss this sisterhood celebration of women-owned whips, cars, trucks, motorcycles, ATVs. If it has a motor, it belongs. Ladies, this is our motor fest. Boys are welcome to attend, but the spotlight will be owned by the women in their whips. Check out all the details by visiting womensmotorfest.com. Miranda Rumfeld is in the driver's seat today. Miranda was a transportation design student with a background in automotive restoration and racing. She works at General Motors Design as a clay sculptor. Miranda was raised in the Motor City by a family of wrenchers and her life revolved around American muscle cars. Once she was old enough to lend a helping hand, Miranda started rebuilding engines and fixing anything her hands could get on. Her passion for cars continued as she got older and decided to enroll in Drive One Detroit, a vocational program where she learned the ins and outs of classic car restoration and race car building. Now let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Miranda Rumfeld in the driver's seat today. We kind of stumbled across each other in an unconventional way for me, and that is I handed a business card to a gentleman at the Detroit Autorama, and he was gracious enough to pass that card along to you, and you reached out to me and said, hey, I would be interested in being on your podcast, and you sent me a link. I get quite a bit of those and have more people to interview than I have time to interview. And I went to your website, very well done, Thank you. and I was very impressed, and I'm like, hell yes, <laughs> this is a perfect fit, and this young lady deserves my time and a platform to speak on. So thank you for reaching out to me and wanting to be a part of the Femcanic community. Yeah, of course. I was just super interested when I saw your website and just seeing the platform that you give other women. So yeah, super happy to be here. Yeah. And I think what you do is incredibly fascinating and it's very niche. Yeah. Very niche, niche, however (laughs) you want to say it, whatever you roll with there. Why don't you go ahead and share with the audience what it is that you do? Yeah, so clay sculpting, automotive clay sculpting is, like you said, a very niche thing. And a lot of people don't even know about it. And believe it or not, every single car that's on the road has started and been transformed through an idea in someone's head 
into a sketch on a piece of paper and then put into clay in 3D. So a real life prototype model of what that idea looks like, but before anybody spends the time or money on putting it in stamping and crazy machines and things like that. So it's a quick way to get ideas out to see what the car would look like before, you know, you kind of decide, all right, this is it. You're able to, like I said, get ideas out very quickly and kind of try out everything that you want without sacrificing any time or money. When I think about this process, because it's really a design process, does it start with like sketches, then it goes to like clay modeling? Yep. So to give you like a real life example. Let me ask a quick question before that. Yeah. Where in this process, like the computer images and layout that they do, is that before the sketches? Is that done first and then the sketches or vice versa? Like CAD and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of comes in at the tail end of the design process. Huh. So still there's a lot of room to be super creative in an artistic way without limitations of digital stuff still. And a lot of people are surprised to hear that. But in industry still, like the only limitation you have in the beginning is like what the size of the vehicle is going to be. But other than that, the sketches that the designers are doing is honestly 100% up to that. And they are so breathtaking, the quality of them and the creativeness behind it. They look like pieces of art. But like, for example, say you worked at an automotive company and you were a designer, your manager or your bosses and the professionals would come into the studio and say, hey, the company wants to come out with a new SUV and it's going to be for this year and it's going to be this price range. Do what you want with that and give us some sketches. So they'll have five, ten designers do what's called like a sketch blitz. And all of these designers will just do sketches on top of sketches on top of sketches of just what they could come up with and what they think that this SUV could look like. And then a few would be picked of designs that they liked and they would put then into a clay model. So say there's five different themes chosen, themes being those designs that they liked of those sketches. That's when clay comes in because then they can take those sketches that they liked and see them in 3D on a small scale without going crazy in time and money to make a real life moving prototype. So a scale model is, I could kind of compare it to like, The sizing is in between like a die cast car and a real life car. So most of the time a scale clay... I see something behind you, right? Yeah. This is a very small model. So they're a little bit bigger than this. Okay. I would say this is probably a one-tenth scale. But in the studio, they would generally do like a one-fifth scale or a one-third scale. So translate that for me and probably my listeners as well. Like how many feet? Is it like actually completely 3D or is it like just a side view of it or? So it's completely 3D, but something that people um, don't realize is it's actually only half of the car. So you can see behind me, there's a mirror behind this clay car because, you know, most vehicles are symmetrical. So you can really just sculpt one side of the car and put a mirror behind it. And then when you're looking at it, you get the illusion that it's two sides, a full car. Interesting. Okay. When I say like one third scale, 
that's like one third the size of a real car. So I would say like a one fifth scale is probably maybe the size of like a traditional desk. Oh, wow. So they're pretty big, but at least you have half of it. So you're talking maybe three feet long into the half of a car? Um. Yeah, but obviously, depending on what kind of car it is, it can vary. Because, like, if you have a truck... An SUV would be bigger. That's going to be way bigger than a sedan. Yeah. Or something like that. But to kind of answer your question about when digital comes in, when you're in the scale model phase, so these smaller versions, you know, you're making adjustments alongside designers and managers on how to tweak these designs. And then once you get a little bit closer in the process... And what I mean by that is there's a timeline for each car that's out on the road. When they're being created behind the scenes, there's a timeline. The company knows when they're going to release this design and this car to the public. So you're kind of working towards that. And um, there's different stages where the design needs to be developed and tweaked to get it to that finish line. So once you're done in the scale model phase, you'll move to actually a full-size clay model. The full size of what a car is. My God, this is so fascinating. I have so many questions for you. Yeah. Like you said, it's very niche and it's very, very satisfying. That's why I love it because you can get lost in it. Oh, I could imagine. When you say a full scale, so let's say the new Blazer came out recently, right? Yep. In my mind, when I think full scale, and I understand it's half right. since it's symmetrical, it's still half even at full scale, right? So in full scale, they'll do both sides. And that's oh. when the digital world comes in. And this is where I kind of geek out because it's very interesting to me. But on a scale clay model, we can scan that and make it digital. So there are these super technical tools that you can put like checkpoints on a clay model. And this tool is kind of just like a high fidelity camera that can scan what this thing is and what the surfaces are doing in 3D. Then you are able to take that, put it into a CAD software and kind of duplicate it, mirror it. So then you have both sides, you can blow it up and then that's how they will start off a full size clay model. So there are... From CAD. So the half version is scanned in and then they mirror it. Then that information is leveraged to create a full scale. Am I understanding that right? Right. Yes. Because at that point, the design is pretty close to what it's going to be. So you're not going to make too many huge changes, just a lot of minor changes, like a couple millimeters, you're moving lines. And so when you're in full size, a lot of the stuff that you're doing at that point is making sure that the um, that certain clearances are right, say for car washes or safety things and things like that. To do that without having to sculpt a full size car, you can use what's, if you're familiar with what a CNC is, it's basically the same thing. I know what it is, but let's let's explain a little bit what that is, just high level. Yeah, so a CNC, a lot of the times people know it as being used for like machining purposes for engine parts or um, things like that in automotive. Cutting metal. Right, so it's basically a way to cut metal based off of designs in CAD or digital things. So without having to manually do that, say on like a lathe, 
like people would have done back in the day, and they still do, but to mass produce things a little bit more easy, these huge machines are used to cut out whatever you want in chunks of metal. So they can use that technology, but now with clay and do that with a clay model. So we can have, you know, these giant vehicles that are literally clay. You know, they have a very simple, like, suspension on the bottom of them, actually. So we can move them around. We can push them and wheel them around. You can push the clay model around? Yeah, they'll roll the full-size models. Are there wheels on it? Yep. So there's normal tires, like, on any car. The wheels are normally just like flat, almost like hubcaps. But yeah, you can push them and move them around. But so what we'll do is we'll... Does it have a chassis? A very simple one. Okay. Nothing crazy. Or to just support it? Pretty much. Just so it can sit on the ground and move around. But we're not getting crazy with like a drive shaft and a transmission, like nothing like that. Right, right. But it's just something to be able to kind of roll that basically vehicle but this model onto a level surface where this cnc machine is and it will do what we call like mill out the clay model so milling is basically just a form of machining and we can program the information from cad that was taken from the scale clay model and it will cut that out in full size and basically what it looks like in clay yes Yeah, in clay. So basically what it looks like is a robot arm that has a drill bit sticking out of the front of it. And this drill bit kind of just a million lines, almost like a 3D printer, how it does it in its levels. Yeah. It's the same thing with a drill bit and it's cutting away where it needs to cut on this clay. Wow. And so that... It gives you the rough shape of what it needs to be, and then the rest is done by hand. What we're talking about right now is the exterior of the car. Correct. We're not talking interior or engine bay or any of those things. Is it a similar process for those spaces or no? For the interior, yes. It's just a lot more intricate. It's just like smaller pieces and parts. Exactly. But there's clay models that are done for the... Interior as well and engine bay? So mostly the interior, not really for the engine bay. That stuff is more done in CAD from like engineers. Mm -hmm. And but with like interiors, yes. So yes, mechanics. Mechanics, engineers are the one you need to be pissed at. Correct. (laughs) 100% correct. Not the designers. Yes, because (laughs) a lot of the times we'll have a design that is gorgeous And then we have to fit that to engineering criteria. So we have to morph what we want around what they say we need. So yeah, if mechanics are mad that they have to take a wheel well off to get a battery out, or if they have to do something crazy like that, that's not me. I made it look pretty. I didn't do anything (laughs) about making it move. Even like the steering wheels, there are clay models. Steering wheels... Normal, like, rims, wheels, the seats, dashboards, glove boxes, all of that is done in clay because it's just so more efficient because it really is like Play-Doh. You can just do it so quick and be like, hey, here, come look at this and say yes or no. And then if you don't like it, you change it just like that. Yeah. Wow. Now, just kind of thinking through this process a little bit that you described here. The design is sketched. Yep. It's narrowed down to a couple designs. Then it goes into a small clay model. Yep. 
Just the half. Yeah. And it starts off with small. And is that hand done then? Most of the time, yeah. And that's what you do? Correct. So I work on all sizes of models. But something that I have kind of done that's a little bit more modern is I have taken digital tools and kind of mixed it with the like hand modeling world and been able to really make the process more efficient. So basically just an example of that, there is a program called Alias and I would say it's like a CAD software, but basically it's a digital modeling tool where you can make whatever you want on the computer out of these surfaces and you can have it 3D printed or anything. But what I have done is, for example, when you are starting a clay model, a scale clay model, you have what's called the armature. And that's the base of this clay model. And so a lot of the times it's just a blob of clay because it's nothing yet. You haven't sculpted on it. So instead of taking a ton of time to figure out what's going there and, you know, get the correct proportions, like where everything is supposed to be. I have taken the time on a project to go into Alias and do it really quickly in there and have it milled out, like we said, on the full size, just to get a base for the scale model. But traditionally, everything after the start of like, you know, to kind of get that base, everything after that is hand sculpted. So it really is a very methodical, like artistic process. Wow. The whole thing just fascinates me. (laughs) When you uh, reached out to me, I'm like, Ooh, this is exciting. I have so many questions. And then we talked in the pre-interview about the possibility of maybe you coming out to Women's Motor Fest in Detroit and Columbus. And yeah, even showing, like doing a little demonstration just got me giddy. Like I was telling all my friends and family about it. I'm like, this is, this is a maybe, we don't know yet. But the possibilities of opening up people's minds around what's out there. Right. Even if you're not interested in cars, like a lot of the people that I work with, they went to art school. They are artists. It's a opportunity for artists to have a steady paying job where a lot of the times like parents are when you say I want to go to art school mom they're like oh no (laughs) a lot of people don't know if there is opportunities out there to have you know a job that you have health insurance and a paycheck every other Friday and things like that when you say you want to be an artist yeah but I work with artists every day and it is an opportunity for somebody who wants to be creative no matter what you're interested in, whether it's automotive or ceramics or things like that, you can use that same process just in this realm and still do what you love and get paid to do it. So it's awesome. And I would love to be able to share it with more people. Oh, man, if that's a possibility, man, that is just freaking awesome. What I'd probably do is try to work it out where we can do like a time lapse set up like a GoPro or something and do a time lapse of you doing it. That would be super fun. Yeah, that would be awesome. But I did the spoiler up front in this interview. And normally I go backwards and I do it the other way around. But this is so interesting. I do want to backpedal just a little bit. And Miranda, do you mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 21. You're 21 years old. Yeah. You did an internship with GM. 
Yep. I've actually done three. Three. Yeah. <laughs> you recently graduated from college. Yeah. And the actual degree is? My degree is in transportation design. So it's a Bachelor of Science in basically designing anything, not just automotive. It could be motorcycles, boats, buses trains, anything. But I focus on automotive. Trains, planes, and automobiles. Exactly. (laughs) 21 years old. Wow. It's been a minute since I've been 21. And I'll tell you what, at 21, I was making some moves and doing some stuff. But what you're doing is so interesting. And it's almost like this uh, fishbowl mentality. And what I mean by that is it's like, it's so focused in what you do. It's like, it's this mystery world for people. You know what I mean? Truly. Yeah. And the fact that you're a young woman figuring out how to navigate this industry and you got a lot ahead of you still, I think is just way cool. And what a great mentor and opportunity you have that you're seizing for trying to attract and bring other young girls and women into this industry. Because it's a really cool industry that has its challenges, right? Yeah. Particularly for women. And not that, you know, automotive in the skilled trades and motorsports, it's not like those are the only industries that have that challenge. I'm not naive around that, but that's what we're focusing on right now here for this podcast. Yeah, for sure. Did you always know you wanted to be in the automotive industry? I did. I grew up in the Motor City and my dad is a mechanic. In Motor City, for those of you who are not there, Detroit, Michigan. That's Detroit. Yeah. So we're surrounded by the big three. And I live right down the street from Woodward Avenue. For my international listeners, the big three is? So they're kind of like the main automotive manufacturers. We have General Motors, which I work for very proudly. And then we have Ford Motor Company, who I'm sure you're all familiar with. And now we have Stellantis, formerly Chrysler or FCA, you might have heard it as. So it's very cool to have them in my backyard. And I live right down the street from Woodward Avenue, which holds the famous Woodward Dream Cruise, if anyone has come into town for that. It's in my bucket list. I have not yet, but it's in my bucket list. You have to go. Everyone has to go once. It's amazing. I've been going there every single year. I think I've missed one since I was in my mom's belly. So I grew up into it. I always knew I wanted to be in the automotive industry. Yeah. It's just which path and where in it was where I, you know, had to figure that out. But I was introduced to sculpting when I was 13. And as soon as I was introduced to it, and I kind of saw that I could be creative, but still be working on cars, I knew that was it. And I just kind of took it and ran with it. What do your folks think of this? I would say they're my biggest cheerleaders. My dad is just, he thinks it's the coolest thing ever and is always trying to pry information out of me. (laughs) When you say pry information, what do you mean? So the design in every company, I would say, is the most confidential area. So when I go to work, I can't have my phone, like I can't have my camera. They put stickers on it. I can't talk about any of the specific projects that I'm working on. Like, for example, my first internship I had with General Motors was in the summer of 2019, and I got to work on what is now the Cadillac Lyric. That came out this year, and that was a very fast program. So 
a lot of the stuff that I work on, I can't talk to people about it until I see it on the road. And I'm like, hey, I worked on that like three years ago. <laughs> and at that point, it's old to me. So my dad's always trying to be like, well, uh, so Corvette. Yeah. Especially when like there was the rumors about the mid-engine Corvette. <laughs> like I had already seen it. Like I knew it existed before it was released. I was actually, my first internship was the summer that they were going to release it. I think it was like July 8th or something. And I started in May. So I had already seen it for a few months. Those two months were the hardest two months of my life. Because I'm like, <laughs> this thing is badass. And I can't tell anybody about it. But like, they know. And so yeah, things like that. Because my dad's like a super like, he's a hot rod guy. So like, he wants to know. And so he can tell all of his buddies. But it's like, uh, no, uh, I like my job, dad. You'll see in a few months. It's wild. Just to kind of dive back into this. And what's dad's name? My dad's name is Kevin. Kevin. So Kevin, you're trying to get the behind the scenes DL stuff here. And how did you hold up, Miranda? I think it's funny because I like, it's the only time in my life that like I've had a one up on my parents, you know, <laughs> like, right? no, uh-uh. I'll just mess with him about it. So I think it's amazing. That is way <laughs> cool. I am not going to ask you about any of your current designs because you cannot talk about them, even though right now you are taking some time off. Yeah. Are you starting full time then with GM? Yep. So I start full time with GM June 13th and I'll be working in the performance studio. So I'm very excited. I'm guessing performance studio means the performance specific vehicles. Sure. Is that accurate or no? Or you can't say. If you can't say, that's fine. My answer is sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think of the sedan or the family car, so to speak, or an SUV right. when I think of performance. Yeah. What I'll say is just every studio in that building, no matter what kind of car it is, it still takes my breath away to see what we're working on because it's all in the future. So it's all cool. Yeah. Yeah. As an artist, and you've worked with many artists at GM, mm -hmm. I'm trying to put myself in your guys' shoes where you come up with a design in its iteration for sure. Yeah. But then you have management who is not a designer, maybe doesn't even have engineering background possibly, come in and tell you to change shit. Yeah. So we have input from a lot of different people, a lot of people that I don't even discuss with you know what I mean like a lot of the information that I get is passed down and is relayed to me from people who do know about design got it so it goes through a filter exactly because it's such a big company you know yeah like yeah. think of all the people who are in between me and Mary Barra right <laughs> and ultimately she calls the shots yeah yeah, but all of the like managers who I've worked with and my bosses, they do a great job because they are artists. Like this past summer, my boss, when I was working, I was in the Buick studio. Amazing guy. His name is Paul Skluna. And he was a super, super, super talented sculptor. And you would catch him every once in a while, just like if, if it was a slow day or if we needed help in the studio. The second that he was able to put his hands on a model... 
it's just like, okay, everybody stop and watch because this is like, we need to get a take of this. Wow. Because he's normally like just stuck in meetings all day, you know? Yeah. But so there is a lot of cool people that are very passionate about it and do know about design that are calling the shots. When you have an opportunity to observe someone in their zone of genius, more is caught than taught. Right. Exactly. I say that so much in the power of proximity is I can't stress it enough. If you want greatness and to become great at a craft, a hobby, whatever it is, your personal finances, for God's sake, proximity is power. And what you just described, Miranda, is exactly why I'm guessing you're probably so excited about being where you're at because you're in proximity to some of the world's greatest. Yeah. And what you learn just by being around them and watching them is priceless. It really is. You will never get that in a school setting. No. And, you know, obviously, I'm so glad that I went to college and I'm so glad that I got my degree. But for the three summers that I was at GM, I would learn more in one summer on the job than I did a whole school year. Yeah. Working on the coolest stuff, too. So that's just a plus. I imagine GM, that may be one of their requirements. A lot of companies require a college degree. Not all of them do. I value experience over education. Formal education. Yeah. That sounds crazy. But like, I was a program manager. I never got my program management certification. I never took that test. Right. But my experience, the hands-on experience is priceless. So here you are. You're 13 years old. You get exposed to this clay modeling world. I did a little bit of research on you as well and saw some videos online and stuff where your high school teacher is also a huge cheerleader of yours, right? Oh, yeah. He just spoke volumes of you. And you were doing some amazing things and producing some amazing results. And when I say results, actual like clay models at a very young age. Yeah. And you know, that really got me connected with all of the people that I needed to to make my dreams come true. Because, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit, like how you were talking about the proximity. I think connections are key over education, over, I wouldn't say over experience, but you're not going to get that experience without those connections. Right. And so my school gave me the opportunity to make those things and teach me those things. But all those cheerleaders in my life really pushed me in front of the people that I needed to be in front of to open the doors that were open for me. When they promote you when you're not around, those are the type of people you need in your corner. Right. In our pre-interview, you talked about personal brand too. You're building a personal brand. Yeah. And protecting it. What school did you go to just to give them a shout out? I went to Roseville High School. And at the time, we had a program within the high school called Drive One Detroit. And it was an amazing program that exposed kids to not just the traditional auto shop class, but machining, welding, auto body, and automotive design. And it was so popular amongst these kids and amongst the community that it's actually now its own school. It has its own building. So Drive One Detroit is still a thing. If anybody is interested in learning anyone automotive of any age, you can look it up. We meet every week on Thursday to teach people whatever they want about the automotive industry. And if you know of anyone that is in the high school age, check it out for them too. And maybe they could go to a school where they could work on cars all day and get a high school diploma. 
It's awesome. So I definitely would not be where I am without them. How did you even get into GM? GM has a program called the Youth Make a Difference program. Mm -hmm. And it is a program for students in high school that are interested in automotive design. And it's kind of a mentor program, almost like an apprenticeship program, where they actually let people, I think, from the age of like 13 to 18, go into the design center, which is a very confidential building. They would let us go into this building once a week, obviously in a room where we couldn't see stuff. But even just being there with designers and with people who work there every day and learning the fundamentals of what those jobs entail. And so I got that job through the long line of connections that I had from Drive One Detroit. But specifically, Mr. Mike Simcoe, he's the head of global design for General Motors. He heard of my name through the grapevine and personally reached out an invitation to me when I was 17 years old and said, you know, I think you would do great in this program. I really want you to be here. I've heard a lot of great things about you. And just that encounter really showed me what kind of company General Motors is. The highest person in design reached out to me when I was 17. I didn't even think about going to college at that point. So, you know, you kind of talk about whether you need a college degree or not. The fact that the company is reaching out to people at such a young age to get that ball rolling, to get them started... That's what really inspires me to stick with them because that experience and being in that program is really what kicked off my relationship with the company. And then all of the connections that I made with the people there on top of that, that made me stay there and hopefully I'll stay there forever. That was an amazing opportunity and I'm pretty sure that it's still a thing. I know that a lot of programs have had troubles with COVID, whether they've been virtual or not. I'm not sure if it's back in person yet, but it's still a thing. So if anybody's interested in automotive design, you could look up the Youth Make a Difference program at General Motors through their design program. And just if you're interested and see if you like it, the people there are amazing. Wow. You're only 21 years old and you have accomplished a lot already. What has been your proudest accomplishment so far? Before I went to college, I always said my proudest moment was when my first clay model that I ever did got recognized. And what was that of? So I did a one-third scale clay model when I was 14. Of It was a replica of my dad's 1970 AMC AMX. I love that car. Which is a sweet car, by the way. Yeah, I love that car. We still have it. There's actually a cool story behind it. We just restored it. I did that replica for my dad, the first car that I ever sculpted. And there is a competition for high school students in Michigan called MITES. I'm not really sure what that stands for. I don't remember anymore. But it's basically for kids in woodshop classes and machining classes for them to take these projects and compete against each other. Well, I took my clay model. This one-third scale. The third scales are giant. They're big and they're heavy. So I show up with this thing. They have no idea where to put me in this competition, but I'm like, I'm in high school. I made this. No different if I carved it out of wood. Exactly. Yeah. And so I got recognized from the Society of Body Engineers as the like the most creative project, which was basically the highest award that you could get there. And when I got back to my school the following day, 
the principal came on the PA and like basically announced it to the whole school and was like, hey, this freshman made this thing, took it to this competition and got our school recognized for like the creativity and like the uniqueness. And I felt like royalty. Like it was in, you know, my first year of high school. I was 14. I had an older sister that went to school with me. So everybody knew her. Yeah. Nobody knew me. And the principal's on the PA talking about me. So that was like a super cool moment that I always thought was my proudest. And now that I'm graduated college, I feel like I have to say that, you know, because those four years in college, I didn't know if I was surviving. <laughs> so, you know, just to say that I did that. And the fact that I was able on my graduation day to know I have a job at General Motors and that has been my dream since I was 13, that I did that, I would say that's my proudest at this point. What has been your most challenging moment or moments or period? I would say my most challenging moments were definitely in school, but being able to stay motivated in school was very challenging. Through my experiences with classmates and even professors and all things that I could get into, but being able to stay motivated and passionate and keep reminding myself of that goal at the end of the tunnel and make sure that light's still there, that was the hardest because we all have days and we all have moments where you're just tired and things don't go how you think they're going to go, but you still have 10 other things to get done. So how am I going to fix this one and do those 10 other things? So that was the hardest to just keep pushing myself and be like, I have to get there. I have to get there. Because like an analogy that I make a lot with school and especially where I went to school as a tech school. So they just try and cram as much as they can at you. And it's hard to get quality for stuff when you have so much quantity to get done. And so something that I always explained to my professors was when we would get like midterm in a semester, I'm drowning. I'm just treading to try and stay above water, but I don't know how you want me to have my sketches look good or have anything good if I'm just trying to breathe, you know? And so trying to get everything done that I needed to but have the quality there and still be passionate about it and still push through, that was the hardest. But I think the thing that made me get through it was to just really think about the possibilities in the industry. And I live right down from the General Motors Tech Center, where the design center is. And just to see that building really would just remind me like, okay, I'm going to be there one day. And I'm not going to get there if I don't finish this or if I don't do that. The hard work will pay off. You just have to get through it. You mentioned the challenging part. We talked a little bit about it in the pre-interview, but you ran into some challenges at school of some of your peers, male peers, posting inappropriate and slandering things on social media about you. And we talked earlier about personal brand, and that's incredibly frustrating and how did your school handle that? Something like that is so touchy, but my school did a very good job of making sure I was comfortable to be there and making sure that I was accomplishing what I wanted to and not only just doing that, but feeling like I belonged there and that it was my right to do that. That's great. Because there was a lot of moments 
where I had issues like that, where I just didn't want to go to the studio. I didn't want to see those people. And a lot of the times you just can't avoid people in life. And so like, it's just one of those things, like I just had to push through it, but the school really did what they needed to do to make sure that I was comfortable when I had to have experiences where I had to be around those people that made me uncomfortable. Right now, I'm going to ask you to answer a question and imagine talking to young women, young girls. How would you explain to them on how to handle those situations and maybe even share if there was something you wish you would have handled differently and here's how you would have handled it? Yeah, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is my freshman year, I started off my program. I was the only girl. There was 10 of us and one female. And so there was kind of like that boys on the playground mentality. And when first starting in there, I kind of try to find my place in that. Instead of just being me, I kind of try to find, okay, well, where do I fit in in this group of boys? And I would say, if I were to go back and be able to tell myself something or tell somebody else, do not try and fit in somewhere, especially if you're uncomfortable with it. Because you're not going to be successful in anything if you're trying to play a different role than you are. And so doing that and trying to kind of go along with jokes and, you know, let stuff roll off my shoulder that I probably shouldn't have, that kind of... And by jokes, you mean kind of sexist, misogynistic type jokes? Yeah. You know, the stuff that you hear and you're like, oh, people don't say that. The stuff like that that was said to me that I would just be like, oh, haha. Can you give an example, Miranda? Does anything stick out for the young girls to understand or maybe use an example of, hey? Well, just things like stupid stuff that, you know, some men might be like, well, that's not offensive, but stupid things like, oh, well, why aren't you wearing a dress? Or where's my lunch? You know, oh boy. Yeah. things like that, that it's like, oh, ha ha. But really, instead of doing that, I wish I would have nipped it in the bud because I think that would have given me a lot more credibility down the line when I wanted to say something about it. Rather than just try to let it roll off your back and chuckle about it. Right. When you say nip it in the bud, how would you have handled that? What does that mean? Like, what would that have looked like? I would say, as I've gotten older, I've really gotten a sense of confidence in how powerful I am as a woman. And Say that again. Say it again. <laughs> well, it's true. You know, like the confidence that you have. No, say it. I'm serious. Say it. I am. Yeah, I am a very powerful woman, you know? Yes. And honestly, I should probably say that in the mirror a lot because it took a lot to get there. We all should, sister. Because it's hard when you're surrounded. I am a powerful woman. Exactly. Let's hear it again one more time. Lord, I am a powerful woman. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. And it's taken a lot to get there and a lot of people that have knocked you down to get there. Yeah. Or tried to knock you down at least. But so something that I would do now if I had an encounter like that, I would just kind of stand my ground and not to start, you know, a riot or anything, but just like I said, like kind of nip it in the bud. Like, oh, like, I don't appreciate comments like that. Please don't make comments like that. Yep. Something very simple that isn't asking for a response back, that isn't asking for a fight, but just simply my feelings are valid and I don't appreciate that. Please don't say things like that. 
Miranda, you just demonstrated one of the most powerful and important lessons that all young girls and women need to hear. And we have to teach people. People treat us the way we allow and teach them to treat us. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And as society, society teaches women to do exactly what you did as a young woman and a girl. Laugh and let it roll off. Right. Don't ruffle feathers. Don't be too loud. You know what I mean? Just blend in. Yeah. And, you know, it might be easier to do that in the moment, but the effect that it has on you that's going to stay with you is a lot harder to deal with down the line than it would be in that first five seconds to say, I don't appreciate that. Mm. Kudos to you. And thank you for being willing to kind of drill into it a little more. Because it is a space of vulnerability. It's hard looking back and observing and thinking like, God, I wish I would have done this. But that is the platform for Femcanic Garage. Every woman that I've interviewed, I'm giving them an opportunity to share with other women and men what they wish they would have done differently so others can learn from them. And here you are 21, only 21, just being legally (laughs) drinking age. (laughs) And if you come out to Women's Motor Fest, maybe we can have a cocktail. Well, I'm being presumptuous. Do you? I don't drink at all. No. You can have a mocktail, and I am a uh, bourbon girl. I like Woodford and ginger beer. And we can shoot the shit at the bar together and just chat. I would really enjoy that. And yeah. I think this is a perfect time to launch into the red line round. And what the red line round is, it's five rapid fire questions, no right or wrong answer to them. Just whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Are you ready? All right. That's not intimidating or anything. (laughs) It's not that bad. I trust me. All right. All right. You ready to go? I think so. All righty. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Chip Foos. Ooh. Have you met him? I have met him and it was an amazing experience. I met him at SEMA in 2017. Anyone that I've ever talked to had the opportunity to interview Bogey Latiner and talk to him, worked with him. Are you familiar with who Bogey is? No. She is a host on Motor Trend Network. Okay. All Girls Garage, Garage Squad. It's been on it for a while. Okay. I want to say eight years or something. Cool. But she said he's incredibly down to earth yeah. and just a very kind man. Yeah. I met him at like a meet and greet where there was tons of people in line to meet him. And instead of just snapping a picture and saying hi to me, I took like a small portfolio and it was before I went to college. It was just my clay models that I had done in high school. And he took like 10 minutes to look through it and talk with me about it and give me tips on how to, you know, improve and what to do Wow! with all those people online. So that was a great first impression and really kind of confirmed that he is somebody that I should continue to look up to. I'm with you. There's nothing worse than to meet someone that you think you respect and they turn out to be an asshole. Yeah. I don't know any other way of putting it like that right. blunt, but it's almost heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck on a job or project? Oh my gosh. I have like a list of bookmarks that I share with people of websites that I use religiously for like design sakes and inspiration and stuff. Mm -hmm. Specifically on how to do things, YouTube. Everybody use YouTube. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. But for inspiration's sake, like if you're in a slump, 
there's a website called Simcom. There's a website called Visual Torque, Lemonouche, Gatheska, Trend Hunter. So many almost like blogs where people just post their sketches and their artwork that is super inspiring. And I'll try to almost like mimic some of their style sometimes to switch it up because then that'll kind of start, you know, a new chapter on how you do things, if that makes sense. Would you be willing to email me those links? Yeah, for sure. To include that? Because I'm all about inspiration. Miranda, what excites you most about what you do? The cars. Like, I know you want the quick and easy answer. It's that my whole life revolves around cars. And people don't know how I don't get sick of it. But like my work, my hobbies, I build cars. I race cars with my dad. I think it's fun to clean my cars. I go camping with my Jeep, like just cars. That is what excites me. Anything about them, like I just geek out no matter what area it is. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? Personal habit. This is really funny because the first thing that came to my mind was just like, therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. But no, honestly, I think that's the best thing I ever did for myself. But something that I've, you know, kind of shared with a friend this morning, actually. Wait, hold up. I got to pause you a second. Go ahead. You know how cool you are? Thanks. (laughs) No, I mean that. The very fact that you were able and willing to share therapy. I'll preach it. There's so much stigma around that. And it's BS. Yeah, it really is. And it is so helpful. So I just want to pause and thank you for doing that. In that any little girl, boy, man, woman. Anybody at any age. Anybody. There is no shame in getting help. No, you know, people talk about investments a lot. Like investments in life to return investments in real estate or cars or anything. The best investment I have ever made for myself was therapy. Ever. And it has completely transformed who I am as a person in my personal life and in my professional life. And one of the things that I have learned that I use a lot is if I am feeling discouraged or upset about anything, something that I have learned is to ask myself three whys. And I'll explain this. It's a little process, but it's worth it. So for example, if I am just super unmotivated and I'll ask myself, okay, why am I unmotivated? And maybe I'll say, oh, I'm I'm just tired. And so why am I tired? Well, I've been working on the same project all night and day for the past two weeks. Well, why have I been working on the same project all night for so many weeks? Well, because... I'm really worried that it's not going to be as good as I want it. So then I'll take that after I've asked myself three times why I'll take that and I'll say, okay, I need to figure out why I'm so worried about this not being good enough and figure out what's right there and handle that because then I won't be unmotivated. I won't be so tired and then I'll be able to accomplish what I need to do. That is powerful. It is powerful. And you can use it with anything. It's a similar practice to what I do with entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. When I coach entrepreneurs, it's seven levels deep. I didn't come up with it. Someone else did, but it's the same thing. But you're asking yourself why seven times. 
it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just going even deeper. Right. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I want to go any deeper. (laughs) Well, it turns out to be your big why. Right. Right. So you're using it in this example to, for the self-discovery of why you're tired. Yeah. Right. I go through the exercise with entrepreneurs to figure out why do you even have your business? Yeah. And it goes back to why are they tired? Why are they unmotivated? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff that we worry about day to day is such surface level stuff. And you think that's the answer, but you really, you'll never solve anything unless you go deeper. Yeah. People are afraid of going deeper because it's the vulnerability. It's the rawness. And the people who are unwilling to get to the not so pretty, uncomfortable feelings and thoughts never reach the next level. Yeah. It stays surface. And you, Miranda, it is clear that in many aspects, you've reached the next level already at 21. Yeah. Just going up from here. So that's right. That's right, sister. And finally... What is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in this industry? I feel like I would have so many, so I need to like think. The first thing that comes to mind is just keep doing it. And that sounds cheesy, and it sounds like that means nothing. But at the end of the day, in your gut, if this is what you want to do, the only way to serve yourself and do yourself justice is to do it. At the end of the day, if people give you a hard time, who's more important to you, them or yourself? So do what you want to do. Just run with it and just... Unapologetically. Right. That's your right. Unless you really want to be a bank robber. I don't know if you should do that. Yeah. But But yeah, I would say, you know, that it sounds cheesy and it sounds like something you'd see like on a poster in somebody's house, but it's true. Just don't stop. Just keep going. Yeah. Simple and on point. Right. Where and how can people connect with you, my friend? I have a couple different things because I would say I'm a jack of all trades, but a master of none or a Jill of all trades. You're a master of one, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I understand you got a lot of hobbies, but you can definitely say you're a master of one. Right. I have a LinkedIn for some more professional stuff where you can see a list of my projects and my connections on there and where I've gone to school and things like that. On my Instagram page, Miranda Rumfelt, some more behind the scenes stuff to the projects that I do. And then kind of a digital portfolio on Instagram at the.mr.design is kind of my digital portfolio where I put sketches and clay models and cars that I work on. And a pun with that is when a lot of people see it, they think that it's the Mr. Design. And because my initials are MR, they're Mr. And, you know, when I told a lot of people that's what I want, you know, one day what I want my brand to be is the MR design or the Mr. Design, they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I think it would just be amazing for somebody to see my business card or my website one day and expect a man to be running this. And then they (laughs) ask for the person in charge and I say, hi, I'm Miranda. Nice to meet you. (laughs) And they're just, wait a minute. And I'm like... Yeah, that's me. I'm a woman. Thank you. (laughs) I think it's brilliant. (laughs) I think it's absolutely brilliant. (laughs) 
Yeah. Miranda, thank you so much for reaching out to me and asking to be on the show. You are exactly what a femcanic is and what the embodiment of femcanic garage and its purpose. So thank you for being you and thank you for showing up yeah. and to just keep showing up. The world needs you. The world needs you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Well, and we need a platform like you're giving me today because a lot of the times when women want to talk about their success in this industry or their challenges in this industry, they're either seen as gloating or gossiping. So to have this platform is amazing. So I really appreciate you having me. The honor is truly mine. I am Miranda Rumpfell and I am a creative design clay sculptor at General Motors and I am a femcanic. Jessica Groot is in the driver's seat next. Jess is an artist and businesswoman. She started to get into business in 2011 and founded Botch Design, where she designs and handprints apparel and portraits with basic screen printing techniques. Jess's interest in cars ignited with the influence of her partner and decided to study and learn more about the trades in auto refinishing. With zero experience in shop life with tools or fixing things, she took a nine-month foundation course where she learned the basics in in-shop training. Be sure to check out next week's episode as Jess shares her journey through cervical cancer, a separation, and career change, all at the age of 33 years old. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribed for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?